Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. Y'all get it for Josh. Thanks. Cool. Um, yeah, let's pray. Lord, um, thank you so much for your presence here. Thank you for that worship. God, I just love when your willingness to connect with us, Father. And um, it's just, it's not something that, it's everything, Lord. And we love it. We love it. We love it when you're in the room like you are right now. And um just want to honor you in this place, Father. You're you're so good. And um thank you, Father, for your presence, Lord. Yeah. Nothing more important than that, Lord. Let us connect with it today. Um Yeah, and Lord, I just pray that you'd use your servant, me, um, this morning, and <laughs> yeah, God, I just stop, I, you know, I'm all yours, love you so much, and um, so glad for what you've done in my life, and so glad that, and at least some of it I can give away, and um, and I want to go at doing that, Lord, help me, and um, in Jesus' name. Awesome. Well, great Sunday morning. Good to see you. Hey, what's up, Aaron? Good to see you. Blue jean cap on. He made that himself. Look at that thing. Hold that up for everybody. <laughs> Isn't that cool? I love it. Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to put Tyler on the spot. <laughs> Tyler, stand up if you wouldn't, man. This is our friend Tyler. He's been running the words back here. You probably didn't know that there were words during videos and during uh, worship and stuff like that. Uh, unless it goes wrong, then you're like, oh, wait, what's going on? <laughs> anyway, so these guys don't get enough credit, and today is his last day. He's moving to Nevada on Friday, and it's, oh, man, he's such a good friend and such a, such a good person in this house. He's faithfully served for, like, almost two years now, man, um, and I, I'm just so thankful. I just wanted you guys to know. Give him a hug and uh, send him off with love. Uh, give him some money. <laughs> he's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, we love you, man. I remember when he started, like, you know, I, I don't, I hope it's okay for me to tell this, but I, <laughs> it was kind of funny because, I mean, you know, he was so willing and uh, available, and that was awesome. That's all it takes, right? And he didn't really exactly know how to do it or anything, of course, because he'd never done it before. And um, and I just thought it was funny because you didn't really know the songs that well. And <laughs> sorry, I just want to point it out. But like you know, so he was like uh, trying to figure out, and, and you know, and you'd have to read the slide before you could throw it up on the lyric, you know. So it was man, I don't even know how you got all through that. But I mean, he would he determined his way into being able to do it with 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 awesome accuracy and and throwing it up, and that helps us all sing along. And it's just such a big deal. And I mean, I'm serious. It must have been six months after he started. Uh, coming every Sunday to help that um, he uh, 
I walked back there and I watched him sing to one of the songs and I was like, look at what God is doing in this guy. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. You know, and I just, you know, I mean, it was such evidence that he was in the right place at the right time with the right people. And, uh, you know, and anyway, I just really, really value you. But yeah, that's awesome. We do. We do. We all value. <laughs> um, and I call this other guy St. Nicholas back there and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Only time he gets credit is if usually if something goes wrong too. Like, hey, what's what's going on with that feedback? You know, <laughs> whip the head around. <laughs> you know. <laughs> They're a big part of every single service that we have on Sunday morning, so it's worth taking some time to just honor them and love on them. Um, cool. So uh, let me see. If there was something else. I tried real purposefully to not overdo it this time. <laughs> I was like, um, I'm always kind of up here trying to go as fast as I can to get through a bunch of information. That just doesn't really work for Sunday morning. It's not fun for you guys. Not exactly fun for me either, you know, sometimes because I'm like, I'll forget something. Um, anyway, it's not about me. Thank you, Jesus. Um, uh, cool. Everybody have a good week? Cool. All right, we got a bunch of smiling faces in the place. Awesome. All right, well, you guys are in a good mood. That's awesome. That's um, God's in a good mood too, right? That's what Bill Johnson says. Um, yeah, I thought about it. Um, I realized, you know, I hadn't talked a lot about encounters with you guys. <laughs> encounters is a big deal in my life. Um, I won't go through all my testimony. We'd be here for three days. Um, but... Uh, but encounters became really important for me. And, you know, I wrote a book about it called Encounters. And I always thought that word was really strange. I thought, um, I remember uh, I was at a meeting in Alabama, actually, years ago before we lived here. And uh, I couldn't tell you what part. I think it was near Auburn somewhere. And um, we were given prophetic words and at the end of the service uh, the Lord spoke to my heart and he said you know Josh you can give that away and I thought oh and it was like the what he said to me was pregnant you know, you know <laughs> it's kind of a weird way to say it but it was full of something you know so it unloaded on me after he said it and I realized what he what he meant was I could give away all the encounters I'd have so that's kind of where it's where the book started and uh, you know that I knew what he meant because I had had he he helped me get used to encounters so just to back up a little bit my I was you know more or less an atheist and I, I did spend some time actually uh, studying how how to refute Christianity and things like that you know that was a part of my history and um, and so as an atheist um, God kind of disrespected my my, uh, <laughs> my little process there, and he gave me a really radical encounter that woke me up. I mean, it was like crazy, and um, it was an open vision, um, and an open vision is, uh, I don't, you know, some of these terms are lost on us. They're like Christian, Christianese, um, but open vision is more or less like a superimposed like dream on what's going on here. I don't know if that makes sense. Like you can look at this whole, everything that's in here, you can look at me, and then there's another reality that's on top of it. It's kind of like a dream though, because, but it's, except for it's, you know, it feels real. 
the difference between a vision like that and like maybe seeing in the spirit, like if somebody can see angels or something like that, is that um, the vision kind of tells a dream. It tells a story, sorry, like a dream. Um, so when I was having this open, invi- open vision as, a, as an atheist, <laughs> you know, um, really, really messed me up, man. It was just like, what? What am I looking at? And I would go into that, but it would just take us all day. I wrote a book about it. You can buy it. Um, <laughs> I love y'all. If you want it for free, I'll give it to you. But if you buy it, then it'll support our, uh, my little side ministry that I do. Very, you know, I, I do a little podcast that uh, goes out help, helping people have encounters um, and things like that. And so it's called Abundant Encounters. I've never even told it, told you guys <laughs> from the front <laughs> that I have this thing. So, um, and uh, not trying to promote myself. Uh, I, I want you to understand my intentionality behind all that. And that's what I'm going to kind of get into. Why encounters are important and all that. Um, so that's what kind of gave me a value for them, is they interrupted my flow of life. I didn't... Um, I didn't know God was real until I had that moment with him. And that, that man, that messed me up. It messed me up in the best way and, um, and uh, wrecked me, as they say. And I didn't really know what to do with it because I didn't speak Christian. I didn't really know how to process what I was experiencing. I didn't know what the difference between an open vision and a vision or anything like that. And uh, God had to do a lot to get through to me, and that was years. It wasn't just that moment. Uh, but one of the biggest miracles I've ever seen in my life was uh, happened in my mind. And I think I shared that a long time ago with you guys. Uh, my mind went from total anxiety to total peace, like like that day, which is a radical miracle if you know anything about the brain. Um, for it to make that big of a shift, it's like the brain has like these super highways that it uses kind of in a sense, and, and, and that's what we're used to traveling on. Um, you know, I don't know a lot about neuro stuff, but anyway, um, for that to change like it did, that whole thing had to be ripped out and a new one put in, uh, to, for it to be able to go a different way, you know, because like all I knew and all I, and years of thinking in one way just left me with anxious thoughts, no matter what I did. And what God did was put peace in my mind real obvious miracle, but I wouldn't have even called it that. What happened in that open vision, uh, long story short, I saw Jesus and there was kindness in his eyes and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. And um, anyway, so that was a big moment in my life and uh, it changed me. It made me, it opened me and it softened a really hard heart and, um, uh, you know, all the self-hatred, anger, and stuff that I was dealing with kind of melted away over the course of the next few years, and God did a lot, Whew, man, to, and I'm so grateful, he was so effective, and like a surgeon, um, working at me, changing me, I'm so different, guys, seriously, uh, you know, and, you know, and he's still bringing about what he wants out of me, I can tell, you know, it's still happening, like, uh, I'm, I'm more comfortable speaking than ever, you guys wouldn't know this, but like before I got saved, man, I was so, so frightened of speaking in front of people. It was, it was my greatest fear, like it is for most Americans, apparently. Um, uh, but I mean, I was terrified of speaking. So, I mean, I would sweat, actually sweat, and I would feel 
overwhelmed and I could not talk and I never wanted to. It wasn't in my wheelhouse and I was fine with that. And right away as I got saved, not right away, that's too dramatic, but um, somewhere in my salvation and over the years I realized God wanted me to share my story and um, and eventually got me more and more comfortable about that and that, that became a really important thing. Um, and But uh, the work he did was amazing. It was amazing. I, I'm telling a little bit of it. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but he just kept using encounters to get through to me. Like it wasn't just that one. So there was that big thing. But I mean, it's like I was so opposed to. I was like a you know like a magnet or something pushing against the the faith and and so he found this little avenue to to reach me and even though I was probably very uh religious not about God but just in a different way I was very um you know me and this is how I think and this is who I am and uh um you know so in order but he found this little trick that would break me down like if if he was real and he he showed up in my life then I couldn't deny it so yeah I, yeah, I could listen to preachers and and read about things and stuff like that. But if, but if God showed up, then I'd really know that I needed to listen and I needed to be changed, you know. And um, and I became willing to be changed, you know, in 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 those encounters and those moments. And He knew that, and He's so kind and so loving that He, you know, He generously used that to to really turn me around and and heal me from a lot of brokenness and a lot of pain. Um, my dad and my brother both uh, committed suicide. There was something, I mean, my, my heart was wrecked by all that, you know. Didn't know that. Couldn't have told anybody really where all my pain and stuff had come from. But that was obviously, those are some pretty big big hurdles to jump emotionally and stuff. Um, <clears throat> so, so encounters. And, uh, and, and then uh, he, the, the Lord... Uh, you know, we had, I had a Holy Spirit moment, <laughs> drowned in the Holy Spirit. That was awesome. I'll, that's in the book too. You'll just have to buy it. Um, <laughs> just kidding. But uh, then I, then I had um, a 365 day encounter with God. Every single morning he met with me and, um, and remember he said that I can give it away. I would, I, I lovingly, absolutely take it if you want it um, in Jesus name. And, um, but every single morning he would, uh, take me, uh, he, he, for a while, long time, I was such an academic, so this is weird, but I just didn't feel like I could read the Bible all the way through. And so I was just like, this thing's huge. I don't get it. You know, it always makes me feel uh, a little bit lost. And so, um, but he finally convinced me in one year, I, I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to read the Bible in a year. <laughs> Excuse me. And, um, and uh, so I, I started reading it, and that first morning I had a ridiculous dream. Uh, it scared me. It was so holy, you know. And um, and that was the beginning of a year of encounters. And some of these encounters were like, um, you know, just kind of ho-hum, I guess. I don't know. They're all amazing, really. But, you know, there's just different levels, and some of them were really profound. And um, God showed me how he could lead me through encounters and stuff like that. And I never would have called them encounters. Remember I said that a minute ago? 
Um, but okay, so I'm, I'm, I start writing this book to try to share my experience because God said that I could give it away. I'm, I'm kind of reversing back to where I was when I started talking about this. But um, so I'm in that meeting in Alabama and the Lord says, you can give this away. And um, so I, um, I start going through uh, and thinking about that and how powerful that was. And it was basically God giving me uh, permission to go into ministry, which I didn't want or anything, but I didn't think I wanted, you know, uh, but I love it now. Um, and, um, so it was really, you know, you can, you can give this away. And then, um, I started writing a book and, and as I'm writing that book, uh, it came up, you need to think about what you're going to title this book. And that word encounters came up and, um, and I was like, I don't want to call it that, though. I'm having a conversation with the Lord at 3 a.m. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to call it that. People that think I'm talking about aliens or something, you know. And um, y'all can laugh at me, seriously. <laughs> I mean, it was just a process. I'm just like, what is, why would I call it that, Lord? That'll just scare some people off. It sounds like Christianese. It doesn't really work for me, you know. Um, I didn't want to be too uh, religious-sounding or something. And uh, I gave the Lord a hard time about it, but he wouldn't let me go. Um, which I'm, he does sometimes, and um, and I realized that that word was important, and that uh, it did mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and so that kind of helped me uh, take on the importance of why don't why don't I try to define what God has has been doing with me, <clears throat> and um, so I, my definition ended up being. Um, you know, any moment that God is real for you, that's an encounter. So, I mean, I put the bar way down here. So it didn't have to be, oh, my gosh, you saw angels and all these kind of things. Like, you know, why does I don't need to have a high bar for God. He can just do whatever he wants. If he wants to speak to me through emotions, he can speak through, through those. If he wants to speak to me through his words, he can do that. You know, there was all these obvious ways that he could do that. But just, um, but I realized that when we could... When we lowered that bar for God, which he, that was something he did for me, and I'm so thankful for it, um, then I could begin to see them more frequently. And then in seeing them more frequently, I was way more open to the big encounters that God had for me that he wanted. Like, you know, I mean, I had an encounter once, for example, where he took me to heaven in a dream. You know what I mean? And I never would have been open for that. That would have been silly nonsense. I would have dismissed it, you know, as an atheist and stuff like that. I would have said, well, you know, that was cool, a dream. But I realized that things like that were really important to him. And that, that you know, we had learned to dismiss these kind of things, these little moments that God would have them. <clears throat> Some of them just aren't that small. But it was like we didn't know how, and I'm not accusing anyone. This is this is my process. Um, if it fits, you know, that's great. Maybe it, I can help. Um, but, like, you know, I just realized that we could steward encounters better, that we could, we could focus more on God if we just looked for the places where he was touching us in our lives. And that's why the word ended up being really important because I was like, well, okay, an encounter's encounter. Um, so I realized that uh, that I, that was how I could give it away, you know, is help help people understand that whatever little thing that you've experienced with God, your history with him is ridiculously important. And wherever it is or however you experienced it is is really, really important. 
and uh, valuable. It's, pro- it's really the most valuable thing that you're experiencing as a human being on planet Earth. He's the thing that lasts forever. And, um, and I realized that <clears throat> on Earth as it is in heaven, you know, those kind of things, like as we're experiencing him, we're, we're kind of taking something away from heaven. And we're putting, and if we know how to hold on to it, then we can, we can, we can spread it around. And so I was like, okay, I'm starting to get this. I'm, it's like, a, you know, I got a master's in business administration before I got saved. Uh, and, you know, I always wondered why I did that. But uh, I started to think about uh, how cool it was that the heaven stuff, it wasn't on earth until we brought it here. So think about it this way. So if you had like uh, a secret bank account that you never knew about and all of a sudden you were able to withdraw from it and put it out into the world and just give it away or whatever, that's kind of like our tap on heaven. That's our, our inheritance is, is amazing. It's like so every little experience that we have from heaven is something that we can spread around and give to, to others. And um, I just thought, wow, that's really cool. Thank you, Miss Amy. She agrees with me. <laughs> All right. Um, and, uh, you know, we work hard to dismiss encounters, which, uh, again, I'm not accusing you. I just, I've seen it. Um, I read a lot of uh, biographies. I love biographies. Um, there's some heroes out there. If you ever want to know which ones you should read, it's not that I've read them all. It's just that I like reading biographies, and I can tell you about a few of them that are I really loved. Uh, there's some heroes in my, uh, and out there for sure that you should read about. Um, uh, if you look into people's history that changed the world, a lot of times, regardless of whether they ended up serving God with their life or not, um, which I do feel like that's valuable, of course, I'm a Christian. Um, but even if they didn't serve God with their life, they probably had a moment that changed them with God. They probably had an encounter. Now, they wouldn't have had uh, the language for it. I remember not having that language. I was uh, reading a book at uh, on you know a couple of weeks ago when we were at the beach. Um, praise the Lord. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> I gotta make y'all laugh a little, a little while. <laughs> um, anyway, my lame jokes. I could tell y'all some jokes. I remember <laughs> I was asking the Lord for the joke this morning. A little sidetrack, sorry. Um, and uh, the and the only one he would remind me of was Bishop Chuck. He, Bishop Chuck got up here and he's like, you know, I would wear skinny jeans, but you know, I'd probably look like a watermelon on top of a couple of toothpicks. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, you know. Um, anyway. And the Lord is basically trying to talk me out of wearing skinny jeans today. I don't know what he's up to. Just get over it, Lord. I don't know what the what my deal is with skinny jeans. Sorry, guys. I know it's not very Alabamian of me. Um, not trying to be weird or different. I just, I don't know. I got used to them. They're my comfort zone. Um, so that's the best joke I got. <laughs> All right, thanks. Um, okay, where was I? Oh, my gosh. Why did I do that? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, thank you, my wife. Amazing. Um, um, so I read about Nikola Tesla, and I was just telling the guys in the back, sorry, I'm going to repeat all that because it feels really important. 
Um, so I was reading about Nikola Tesla, and we all know how his story ended. Unfortunately, he got a little weird, you know. And uh, so that's not what I'm getting at. But there was this moment that he that he really had this crazy experience. And Nikola Tesla uh, was, he was, you know, he ended up being a scientist, an inventor, a uh, brilliant, you know, guy. Nobody would argue that kind of stuff. You okay, Bob? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and so I was just interested in what his story was and where, and I'm always looking for those moments, and there was one. <laughs> I was so excited when I saw it. I was like, oh, man, he had a moment with God. This is so cool. Um you know, he didn't follow it, unfortunately, but he had this amazing moment with God. And who am I to say that? Honestly, I don't really know. But, uh, but he had this moment, and it was interesting thinking about who he was, where he was, um, you know, he, he was working 20-hour weeks, uh, sorry, 20-hour a day uh, for seven days a week, and uh, just, and for a long period of time, and trying to go to school at the same time, so I don't even understand how that works, but anyway, maybe things were way different back then. Uh, but he got burnt out. Makes sense, right? And uh, so he goes home, and his dad dies. And um, he's at this place where he's about as tender and soft as he ever will be in his life. And um, and he and he has this uh, he, this friend that reaches out to him and says, "Hey, you need to. We need to go for a walk in nature. You know, you need some." time, you know, and so they go for a walk, and, and he has this sudden moment where he kind of collapses and has a vision, and that's it, he had an encounter, um, and it was so cool, and like, uh, when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think, I didn't know that this would be in here, and, and um, I'm just like, okay, so what happened, and um, and so he has this moment, he collapses, and he, he wakes up, and, and from a place of compassion, you can tell from his own explanation of what happened to him, um, he says, I think I figured out a way, and he came up with a plan, and he drew it out on the dirt and everything right there after, in that moment. Um, I have a way to help uh, humanity not have to work as much, and it, you know, it had to do with electricity and things like that, but that place of compassion had overwhelmed him you who is compassion <laughs> Jesus he has a name right compassion is is a person it's Jesus Christ he met him and he spoke into his life now what he did with that is up to him and that's on him and thank God we all have our own story and what we do with our our moments with God but it changed him I remember reading a biography about Rockefeller and uh, really lo- loved most of his story. He didn't end well either, unfortunately. You know, there was, a, there was a bunch of tragic stuff. And there's a lot of opinions about who he is these days. And I'm not talking about that. I read his life, you know. And, and one thing that happened to him that really stood out, he had this moment with God. He collapsed and he felt like God said, make money. That was all God said, make money. And he was so ruthless. Uh, he was an oil refinery, and he's basically the reason that we don't have a steampunk society today and all kinds of interesting things like that. Um, but what he did was he, he felt so convicted to make money that he would go to other oil refinery companies and, be, and he would say, hey, we're going to buy you. And his reasoning was, your money's better in my pocket than it is in yours. He just knew because of that encounter. He was so convicted in his life. And he changed the course of history, um, and that was an encounter. 
Now, these encounters are everywhere in the Bible. So I'm going to, I promise, <laughs> talk about the Bible. Everywhere. You cannot turn a page without seeing encounters in there. Uh, my favorites are, you know, Enoch. <laughs> he was and then he wasn't. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Um, so he got taken up in his encounter uh, physically. Um, there's... Um, you know, Mary is my favorite. She held all these things in her heart. After she had encountered the angel, she's so focused on it in her heart that she just, uh, she she did something that uh, changed the course of history. She went from being able to uh, perceive a future reality of a savior to conceiving <laughs> a future reality of a savior. Uh, that's a New Testament reality that we can do today. I think through encounters. So, um, so I just thought, why don't I share with you guys a little bit of my history? Because you know the church is a family, and I want you guys to know what's going on in my heart, and my head, and whether you agree with me and all those kind of things. That is such an aside. I love y'all. You know we agree in the really important things, like Jesus is our Savior. And I'm not saying there's a lot of reason to disagree with me, but I'm just saying that, um, you know, none of that separates us. But I want you to know what's going on in my heart. What drives Josh? What makes Josh want to come to church and be who he is and serve and all that kind of stuff? Well, it's this thing. I want to give away encounters. I want people to experience God. I do believe that uh, they're very valuable and very important. Uh, your relationship with God, your connection to him is everything. There are some things that get in that way of, of connection that I found that God did strategically and surgically remove from my life so that I could experience him, and I wanted to hit on some of those before, before I wrap up. Um, impatience. I had a lot of it. Just wasn't patient for the things of God. Didn't have time for reading or, or uh, all that kind of stuff. Look, the Lord taught me to make space for him to make room for him. I lost my job. <laughs> you know, I was, oh man, I was on a course to take over the world and that's maybe why I read biographies about people that, you know, made such achievements. But uh, that was my pinking in the brain reality. I was going to help the whole world through changing the economy. <laughs> Economy's a scale. Anyway. Um, and, um, but I was a very impatient man and that had to do with anxiety. I didn't feel like I had time for, for anything. It really didn't have anything directly to do with God, but of course I wasn't making room for God, you know? So impatience is a big booger when it comes to your relationship with God. It's really, a, a, you know, a little bit of a hassle for him. And uh, it's not because he's impatient. You know, we're like him. He's not like us. Um, he's so patient wildly patient um, um, there's another one dogmatic expectations when we're not open a dogma a dogma is just basically like your religious stance like the way you uh, you know decide that things are supposed to go you're right and you're wrong kind of experience so um, this is what makes right this is what makes wrong um, the way that's your dogma so if your dogma uh, closes you off from being able to experience something new from God, that's going to be a problem. And that's going to shut down encounters with God. Um, 
thinking it's too sentimental. Oh, guilty. <laughs> I was really, really bad about that. Um, I just felt like, what's well, the point? I didn't have a value for it until the Lord established that in me and like deposited it in me. And then I thought, ooh, this is really important. Um, false humility and pride, those things are really bad. Um, for me, uh, you know, uh, I was really uh, dealing with uh, I don't deserve things and stuff like that. And, uh, of course, it's true, but the, the, the problem with that is is that once God decided that you were valuable, that kind of changed everything about that. So we can sit back there and not believe that God has something for us or we can move forward in God and, um, and give up our false humility for true humility, which is thinking more about others and less about yourself or not, not less of yourself though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not less of yourself. Just thinking more about others. That's true humility. Because the thinking less of yourself has got to go. Uh, maybe I should sit there for a second. It's got to go. Self-hatred sucks. It sucks for God. When you hate yourself, he doesn't, he's not like an agreement. No good. You know, self-hatred really comes from perfectionism, which, you know, that's a problem. Like, you just feel like everything has to be perfect in order for it to be right. Guess what? Not everything's going to be perfect. You're going to have all kinds of things, so you're going to end up feeling like you're the, you're the problem. So self-hatred is, is a, a big stumbling block. Um, uh, perfectionism is a big stumbling block. Projectionism, uh, and not trying to sound smart on you guys, but that's a that's a problem too. That's when you think that everything about God has to look like something you've experienced. So you project your anger on him. You project, uh, you know, like the way your dad treated you, your, the way your mom treated you onto him, all those kind of things. Those things will get in the way of your ability to connect with God. Um, and moralism, which every atheist is very, atheist is very moralistic. They have a, a version of what would be right. And I definitely had mine. Um, and so that was, those were some massive stumbling blocks for, for, uh, that would keep me from being able to experience God. And, uh, and I would just recommend that if some of that hit home, then just um, do find a way to remove those. Do find it, you know. And, there, and our church has resources. We do inner healing here and those kind of things. Some of that stuff was really important for me. Uh, one thing I've been studying a lot lately is um, I've got time. Um, I won't go that long into this, but um, one thing that I've been really been trying to figure out is uh, a fear of punishment. So most of us get that when we're kids, right? And we have this. Uh, this reaction to a punishment. We did something wrong and our parents got onto us. And rather than try to learn how to do it differently or what inside of us um, needed to change, we decided, I don't want to get punished again, so I will hide. And uh, fear of punishment convinces us that hiding is a solution um, and that will prevent your connection to God. We have to learn to be vulnerable with him or we cannot, we cannot have him. What a devastating result. So, and confession and repentance, not the same thing. Confession is awesome. They're really amazing. You need to 
talk to God and say, hey, this is what I did wrong. This is what I, you know, all that kind of stuff. But repentance, remember the fear of punishment, if it's there, it's trying to prevent this repentance part, which is actually changing. So that's what repentance really is, is, is change. I mean, you know, there's more to it than that, but I'm just making it like simple for this. So when, when a child, uh, when you teach a, a child how to change, then you're going after roots a lot, you know? And uh, that's, I don't, I'm not a parent, so I can't really speak to that, but I can say that from my personal experience, if I was just afraid of the punishment and just avoiding that, then I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't try to, uh, to do differently. I would just hide. And then what would end up happening was on, you know, maybe months later or maybe a day later, um, I would end up doing the same thing again because I was doing it for some other reason, you know? I know that's kind of hard to follow, but the thing is, is like some of you guys are shaking your head. You get what I'm saying. Uh, it is, it's the wrong, we don't, we don't want that kind of thing. Then we're not moving. There's no movement in our life. We're not actually changing. We're not growing. So fear of punishment is very ineffective. And thank God Jesus took all the punishment for us. So God, our father, is not, Bob's had such a great few talks about this lately and uh, he's going to be doing the discipleship class and I don't know if that's still the topic but he's done a great job of unpacking that um, but the punishment uh, the whole punishment deal with uh, with uh, has been satisfied as far as God is concerned so you will never receive punishment you will experience the consequences of your sin but you will not receive punishment from God because Jesus either took it all or we need to send him back Go and get back up there, Jesus, because we still got, you know what I mean? That's not going to happen. That's not the way it works. So he did receive all the punishment that could ever be. So that's actually not the thing that you're doing with God. I know it seems like this is a side, but it's really important when it comes to experiencing God. We, we will think that he, um, you know, doesn't want to connect with us, doesn't actually want us to change. See, when God gets involved in our lives, the change that he's asking us to do is going to fit us. It's going to be amazing. Like it's going to be the best thing we ever thought. He has way better ideas than we do about who we are in our life. I mean, seriously, it's so comforting and, and, uh, it just helps us so much when we can, when we can have that relationship with him that consistently brings change. I mean, you will invite and be happy about a lifestyle of repentance if you really know him you will every day all day long you'll be like I want to repent today Lord what do you got for me <laughs> like tell me what what I can do differently I'd love to know like uh, because he's he's brilliant he's very good at at uh, helping us surrender things get rid of them and move into the things that are righteous and true about our lives holiness the word holiness, really, uh, if you unpack that, that word, it means set apart. And that's something that, that belongs to each of us through the New Testament reality that Jesus brought to us. The inheritance that we have is the holiness of God inside of us. So Old Testament conviction of sin, New Testament conviction of righteousness. I, really? <laughs> so God is trying to convince us of what is good in us. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, death is swallowed up in victory. And so what is happening and what we can get really excited about is that God's going to show you the way that he's won inside of us 
through, I mean, through encounters, through moments where you believe that he's real, and, um, and that's going to swallow up the death in us and remove it, you know? That's exciting about our future as far as, far as the human race is concerned. Death is swallowed up in victory. That's good. So it's not what's wrong about everything that keeps growing and getting overwhelming to everything else. It's what's right. So, yes, kingdoms and, and businesses and corporations may fall and all this kind of stuff, and we may, may experience a lot, of, uh, a lot of that going on, but the gospel um, says that we get to experience the victory of God. So there's some good things that are going to happen. I always talk about the wedding. We've got a wedding to look forward to. I always keep that in mind when I'm reading the Bible. Anyway, um, so, so that's why I just wanted to unpack some of these. You know, I wrote this in my book. Uh, some stop believing God for encounters at their salvation experience. Others are still holding on to encounters from long, long ago in a land far away. Some are holding on to their parents, siblings, or friends' encounters. How can we think we won't need and continue to need touches from heaven? This is part of our, thank God this is part of it. This is part of your salvation experience. It's not over at the day that you, you come to the cross. Thank God you did that. Thank God you'll be in heaven. You have so much to look forward to. But this earth, this fallen reality needs you to experience heaven inside here so that you can take it out there. It's got to happen in here or you don't really have it to give away. You can't lead people places you haven't been. You can't do it, so you need to experience it here. And God has time for that. Remember the impatience thing that gets in, in the way of our encounters with God? God has time for you to experience the cleansing realities inside here first. He has time. If, if something's real pushy out there, it's not him. He's got time for this. He knows what he's up to, and he's not afraid of things. He didn't fall off his throne when such and such power came into authority or something like that. It's not the way he works. He's not, he's not pressed. He's got time for us. Um, okay, I'm running. All right. So just real quick, some benefits to experiencing. Uh, I was going to read Ephesians 1. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I did have too much this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but anyway, Ephesians 1, go home, read it. It's so powerful. I don't care what translation you have. That is our inheritance, um, and it's beautiful. And you start to learn, and it's not just Ephesians 1. It's all the way through the book. Uh, there's so much in there. I want to talk about some common benefits uh, to experiencing encounters. Um, inheritance becomes real. Your inheritance isn't just something that you talk about or hear about on Sunday mornings. It's something that you begin to experience on a daily uh, basis. It's amazing. Um, you learn how to feast at the table of God. God is always providing a, a fatted calf experience for you every single day, and it never goes away. He's so abundant. He's so overwhelming. He's got so much to share with us. There's no shortage in heaven. That's not the way it works. It may work that way here, but remember, we don't project our experience here onto heaven. Heaven is full and overflowing. So there's always a table of glory set before you for every single day. I was thinking about Colin had this experience on the way here. <laughs> God, you know, so anyway, I don't know if I should share that. 
are you okay? Somebody threatened to kill him. On today, <laughs> you know, on his way to church, <laughs> I'm just like, wow, God. Um, anyway, but it was just a guy that was having some mental problems, unfortunately. So he ran into Colin, and Colin's glory melted on that dude. Anyway, we have no idea what all happened there. But anyway, um, that's what a feast. There's so much goodness of God that he made it to church today. <laughs> um uh, other benefits, man, you're going to increase in peace and uh, you're going to understand purpose. You'll, you'll get to, to this whole gift of discernment won't be so confusing for you. You'll start to learn how to use it. And um, not that it'll always be, you know, perfect or something like that. I don't know. There's, there's all these processes and stuff, but um, God's not afraid of the process. He loves it or he would have taken it away. Uh, divine health and healing gifts for others. Um, this is, this is real. You get to live in that. Um, uh, I'm not going to go into these too much, but empowered relationships, that's really cool. You know, where you're not, not just meeting people between Netflix shows. <laughs> you just, you actually get to enjoy your, your moments with people. Um, and you know, you're not just waiting to get home and, uh, you know, work on the yard. Uh, decreased boredom. That's a big benefit. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've been uh, mowing the lawn, and that's the most boring thing in the world for me. I, I know that some people thrive on that. I was mowing the lawn, and I learned how to meet with God every time I did that, and it changed my life. I was like, this is not boring at all anymore. I love doing it. And I, you know, now nah, I still don't want to do it because I found other ways to meet with God. But <laughs> All right. Um, you will hear and see what God is doing and saying in the earth like Jesus did. Jesus said that this was something that every one of us needed. We had to have this for our lives as Christians in this fallen world. He said, hey, listen, don't take them out of the world. I know it's hard. I'm paraphrasing like crazy from uh, John 19, I think, 17 maybe. Ah, sorry. Uh, but he says, don't take them out of the world. Leave them there, but, but leave them with, with uh, access to the Father. And um, he wanted us to have what he had. And he did what he saw his father doing and said what he heard his father saying. Now, if you don't have any moments with God, then that's never going to be a part of your, your reality. But if you're having moments with God regularly, then yes, absolutely. And so I'm here to, today to tell you that this is not hard and it's not beyond you. It's something that belongs to you and that you, you do you can use and maybe you use a different language to explain the same things I'm explaining. I give you full permission to do that. You can talk about it any way you want to. Um, but if you needed a paradigm for this, then that's what I'm sharing with you. You get to know the Lord. That's one of the biggest benefits. I'm, you know, this is not a Christian thing that I'm saying. It is a Christian thing, but it's not, I'm not just saying that this is something that is so amazing. He's why we were made. He's, he is the, the jewel, the crown jewel, whatever you say. You know, it's like he's the best. I, I wouldn't want another moment with him, without him. You know, I, I'll wake up, you know, uh, in the night and be anxious about something. And, and knowing him, I won't question whether or not he's going to show up and comfort me. I'll just walk in my living room knowing he's going to be there and sit down with him, and we'll just sit there and have an amazing conversation. 
And uh, that's what this is like. And gosh, I would want that for every one of you. If you don't have that, please, please, please um, just know that it's for you. It's the best part. You know, if we think something else is going to be better, like I'm going to succeed in business, hey, praise God if you do that. But this is the best part. I mean, like give me Jesus, the rest of the world, you could just, you know, whatever. Um, And it's the thing that we get to keep for eternity. Our personal faith. It's not our parents' faith. Nothing wrong with their faith. But it's our faith. When we have encounters, when we experience God, we get to know what our faith is. And that's really important. Our pastor's faith, my faith, is not good enough for you. I mean, it's great. You can get encouraged, but you need your own faith. And that's going to come from you experiencing God. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry, the cough. Okay. So I want to pray for you and anybody that, that wants to... I'm going to have to put this in my mouth real quick. (coughs) Let's stand up. All right. Um, You know, this is about your personal relationship with God, even if you disagreed. Not that anybody did, but anyway, if you disagreed with everything that I said, you could still reach out and have a moment with him right now. So what I want you to do is just just close your eyes and spend some time with Jesus. If I identified something that really hit you and you said, oh man, I've got to get rid of that so that I can experience God more, then I want you to hand it to, to Jesus any way you <coughs> excuse me, can do that. And ask him, Jesus, what do you have for me in exchange? Yes, Lord. And if none of that feels like it's connecting to you, then just, Jesus, what do you have for me today? These are legitimate questions. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you are sensing, feeling, or actually seeing something, then I want you to know and give you, you know, all the permission I can give you to go with that. God is real, guys. He's really real. Thank God. Thank God for God. And he doesn't just have something to say from me. He has something to say to you. Thank you, Lord. So he's really here. He would not miss an opportunity. He so values you that he gave his only son. I mean, he really, really values you. If some of you have been dealing with uh, self-hatred or perfectionism or uh, projectionism, or you just felt like it had to be the, the way I've always experienced it, 
<clears throat> hand that stuff to him, even if you don't fully under, understand it. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.